Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The following is a presentation of the Believe Podcast Network. Time for the Believe in Ole Miss podcast with your host, Brad Logan, your home for Ole Miss sports. To be a part of the show, email the show at brad.logan at loganmedianetwork.com or shoot him a DM on Twitter at bradlogancote. Download the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review online. And now, from the vault, to the pavilion, to Swayze Field, it's all Ole Miss, all the time. Here's your host, Brad Logan. And here we go, just a couple of days away from Ole Miss in Alabama, from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. 2.30 kickoff on CBS. And be sure and tune in the Ole Miss Radio Network. That entire crew will be there as well. We're So we're looking at around uh, 12 o'clock will be pregame on the Ole Miss Radio Network with Richard Cross. And Brett Norsworthy, and uh, yeah, excited. I think everybody's excited to see uh, what Ole Miss is going to bring to the table, what Alabama's going to bring to the table defensively. And we'll talk with Chris Stewart, who's the official host on the Crimson Tide Sports Network, alongside Eli Gold and John Parker Wilson and Rashad Johnson on the sideline. Chris serves a number of uh, capacities on the on the network, and one of my favorites is the men's basketball play-by-play announcer. I think he's in year 19. But anyway, there's the clip that's going to play that, that leads into the interview. Pay attention to it. It's a good one. It's uh, one of my favorite calls. He and Brian Passick have been together for quite a while. Yeah, we talked about Tom Roberts. Uh, we talked about Tom Stipe, Eli Gold. So many people that, you know, make that network go. And, and I think if you look at networks, you know, and I use that in air quotes, the, the, the networks that kind of jump out yet jump out at you across the, the Southeastern Conference. It's up there with the Vol Network. In fact, in fact it, may, it may be number one because it has the the number of affiliates they have, the stronghold they have across the state of Alabama. It dips down into Florida, dips into Georgia. It's in Mississippi. It goes to the north in Tennessee. It just has such a stronghold in that state, and uh, radio is such a big medium in Alabama specifically the Crimson Tide football program. So we'll talk with Chris about a lot of things, and, and, and I've been pretty open. I really enjoyed the program on Sunday night, uh, this past Sunday night on the SEC Network, about the voices of the SEC. I mean, I was that kid. I mean, I was that kid with the radio growing up and uh, listening to all of the voices from around the Southeastern Conference. So great conversation with Chris. Also, we get you. We lead you up to uh, what he expects to see from this Ole Miss team, and, and most importantly, what he expects to see from this 2021 Alabama football team. So, it's going to be uh, a big one on Saturday, 2:30 kickoff, and uh, look forward to uh, recapping it here on uh, the Believe in Ole Miss podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. So, Chris Stewart coming up next. Uh, without further ado, once again, thanks once again uh, for subscribing and rating and reviewing the podcast wherever you get your podcast. The Believe Network does a great job of getting them out 
to all of the places that you would download. So you can also stream directly from the Believe Podcast website. Uh, at the end of the day, we appreciate you following all the sites on Twitter. That's at uh, Brad Logan, C-O-T-E. That's at Believe in Ole Miss and Believe Podcast. So here we go. Here's Chris Stewart, host of the Crimson Tide Sports Network, right here on the Believe in Ole Miss podcast, a part of the Believe Podcast Network. It is a place which exerts an extraordinary pull on all who have walked its hallowed ground. Thousands come each year, and yet no one ever really leaves. Ole Miss is for life. A major university with the familiar intimacy of family. Friendships that are more than friendships. Moments that are more than moments. An autumn celebration on a Saturday afternoon in the Grove. Contests waged and triumphs savored. With our largest freshman class, soaring honors college, national reputation for academics and research, our pride is overflowing. Today, more than ever, for all who have ever called this magical place home, you never leave Ole Miss. Welcome back to the Believe in Ole Miss podcast with your host, Brad Logan. Want to be a part of the program? Just email the show at brad.logan at loganmedianetwork.com or shoot him a DM on Twitter at bradloganc-o-t-e. Whether it's touchdown Ole Miss or showers and right, it's all Ole Miss all the time. And now back to the show. And welcome in. We're very excited to have Chris Stewart uh, as one of the hosts of the Crimson Tide Sports Network. Wears a lot of hats for the CTSN. And uh, we could talk all day about basketball and baseball. But today, we're going to focus in on football, Chris, because there's a big matchup coming on Saturday. How are you, sir? I've heard. I hear it's actually a big deal. And I'm uh, I'm excited about it. I'm doing great. And I hope you are, too. We were talking a little bit off air and talking about a, a few new roles for the for the network. And, and, and I said he's kind of new. But uh, to be fair, Rashad's been here four years. The last time you and I yeah. spoke in the Oxford Press Box, there's been a few things happened over the last couple sure. of years. So uh, he was new. You were the sideline guy. Now you've kind of rolled into a new role uh, with the Crimson Tide Sports Network. Tell us a little about that. Yeah, I'm, it's one I've really enjoyed. They, I'm called the broadcast host, and I've got uh, basically I, I handle a, a couple of segments pregame with John Parker, and then once we get into the game broadcast itself, I will bring us out of most commercial breaks. Uh, and I, I tell you, it's really worked uh, well, as you as you well know, with the the hurry up no huddle 
approach that just about everybody employs these days. Uh, there's not a lot of time between the end of the play and the next snap. So the old days of going to the huddle and you knew you had 30 seconds or whatever the, the play clock was, uh, and there was time for the color guy and, and sideline and all of that and then a, then a reset, it, it's very different. But And there's definitely not a ton of room for a, a fourth voice within the game itself. But I see the game as a play-by-play announcer does. And with Eli having the role of basically playing traffic cop in addition to play-by-play, by nature of the position, if there are some down moments, there there may be a time for me to jump in and throw something. Not necessarily, oh, it, it's a rare occasion, but on occasion I will say something that I see that maybe they haven't brought to light. But it's also, I think I'm able to maybe ask a question of either John Parker or Rashad that a play-by-play guy would ask. And frankly, if Eli wasn't having to to worry about the next commercial or set things up, uh, you know, look surveying the, the play and getting ready for the next play, he would think of it and be able to work it in as well. But uh, without getting in the way of what's most important on a radio broadcast, which is the play itself, the ball position, what transpired, how much time is, what's the score, I try to, add, I try to bring something out of John Parker and Rashad that may add to to uh, the listeners' knowledge or enjoyment of the broadcast. But uh, by and large, I try to stay out of the way for the most part, but try to try to add a little something where I can. It's somewhat of a different role. We've been doing this for a couple of years now, but I'm very grateful that uh, able to be a part of it and, and enjoy working with guys that I really like and have a good time with. If you look up Radio Nerd in the dictionary, there's a picture of me. I mean, I'm the kid that grew mm-hmm. up listening to Eli Gold, Paul Eels out of Arkansas, John Ward out of Tennessee. I think you know where I'm going with this. Just, sure. a, few, just a few nights on the SEC Network, we were able to see a production. Kenny Chesney, the country music series, was behind it. You were a part of that. Eli Gold was a part of that. Uh, Tom Stipe was a part of it. A large part of the Alabama uh, Crimson Tide Radio Network was part of that. We learned a lot, not only just about – radio announcers in the South, we learned a lot about the Alabama side of things, about Eli Gold. How special of a team do you guys have? And and what are some things that maybe the general public doesn't see that's behind the scenes, that, that some things that, that they could be uh, looking forward to for the weekend? I, I think one thing that's, that's so cool is that we're able to bring such different perspectives to it. I mean, Rashad and John Parker played the game. They've worn the uniform. They were a part of Alabama football prior to Nick Saban's arrival. They were a major part of the transformation of Alabama from from what it was prior to his showing up and then what it became very, very quickly. And while they didn't win an SEC title as players, they won a Western Division crown. They got Bama to a number one ranking. Again, they got Alabama to a championship game, and they got them within 15 minutes of of playing for a national championship. But unfortunately, the junior year version of Tim Tebow and the Gators rallied for a comeback, and it would be the next year before Alabama would get them in that final game and then win the, the, the national title for the first time since 1992. So they were a major part of turning things around. They they see it from that perspective, and they give great insight from their roles as the color guy in John Parker's case and the sideline reporter, uh, as, it, as is the case with Rashad. 
Eli's as good as it gets. At it for 34 years, seen it all, done it all, and is one of the most distinctive and recognized voices, not only in the southeast, but around the country. There's nowhere you go where you don't run into somebody that, that has worked with or knows Eli in some capacity. Uh, Tom Stipe was there long before Eli was, and I don't mean that necessarily in terms of his age, but he was working on the broadcast when prior to Eli's arrival with Paul Kennedy, who, albeit a very brief tenure, had a great one. Um, and it was a part of building the network and, and creating all of the things that that put it together. Tom Rob, I've said this for years. If if Eli Gold, John Forney, Paul Kennedy, um, and I guess myself, fortunate enough in, in basketball, if we are the voices of the Crimson Tide, Tom Roberts is the sound. Mm-hmm. Because as a kid growing up, if you heard Tom Roberts' voice, you knew it, it sounded like a big game, and it's and you knew that sound was an Alabama broadcast. And I was so fortunate. I was a kid when Tom and Eli first got involved in sports in Birmingham. I knew Eli as a hockey announcer first when he was in his early 20s. Um, I remember watching Tom Roberts do color on a, on a television broadcast in hockey. They're, those are guys that I got to be friends with. Uh, Tom was my first color guy when I took over 19, 20 years ago, whatever it was, to do the basketball play-by-play, and Tom was our producer then and, and still is now. So it's it's special to have known those guys in different capacities and to now know them as friends and colleagues, and I'm a very, very, very blessed man. Tom Roberts, an interesting story. I think I remember one of the first games you called in Oxford, and I was actually in Birmingham listening to the game, and Tom was your color analyst, as you just pointed out. And the way he mm-hmm. said the word Alabama stuck with me. And even to the other night, and my wife and I, when we were watching the show together, she is not a sports person. And she says, this is one of the best shows I've ever seen. And it was obviously about chronicling the life of, of Eli, and it was chronicling uh, Paul Bramlett, um, uh, I'm sorry, Rod Bramlett, and when he passed. And and so we're watching the show, and then, of course, Tom comes up, and the way he said the word Alabama, it's just so weird, Chris, as I know you can put yeah. your mind in places about life's instances, about what happens in your life, and you chronicle it around the events when you were behind the mic. As a fan, as someone listening, I can tell you where I am when I'm listening yeah. to you guys. So it, it's been really cool to watch that show, and I wanted to give you an opportunity to speak because yeah. you, you guys are, yeah. have been such a big part of the, the lives of so many of us that listen. Well, I'm flattered, and I appreciate the fact that you would that you'd mention me in the same breath with those guys. But I got to tell you a funny story. My first year doing the basketball play by play, I guess it was maybe my I don't know third or fourth, maybe fifth game. I've forgotten exactly when it was. But Tom on the basketball broadcast would do what I'm doing on football now, which is to bring us out of the commercial breaks, and then I would pick up and and start whatever I needed to for there. And Tom would come out normally with what we call in the business a live read, which is a live commercial read, and then would probably go into some some uh, statistical point that stood out to him. And then I would pick it up and reset things and go into the play-by-play. That's just kind of the way the, the flow would work. We're at about, I don't know, half half dozen games or less into it. And 
he does that. And when he finished, I just kind of sat there and I didn't start talking. And he, and there's, there's a pause of a good three to four seconds, which as you know, in our business can be an eternity. eternity yeah. And, and he and Stipe both looked at me and I grinned and I actually started laughing. I said, Tom, you're going to have to forgive me. But after all these years of listening to you, I was waiting on Eli to start talking and he That's ain't awesome. here. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so I can relate exactly to what you're talking about. Uh, so it's very surreal for me to, to go from being one of those kids listening to them. Uh, and I don't say that to age them. They were, they were not that old when they started, but they were, you know, 15 plus years older than myself, uh, 15 to 20. And, but hearing them then and working with them now, it it was, it was something I do not take for granted. That's for sure. You know, I think about, uh, the, the, the number one thing I remember and think about finally this past Sunday when I watched the program on Eli Gold is how genuine he was after the first year of being the voice of the Crimson Tide. He, he was very open in saying, I don't know if they accepted me. And you could tell his wife was bothered by that when they interviewed her. And then they came back to him, and, and you could see the genuine concern. Obviously, that, that would be washed away pretty quickly uh, the next couple of weeks. But I think that was interesting that it means so much to him. He even remembered that 30-some-odd years ago. Yeah. And, look, it's different for for football and basketball I get that but I had to follow him on the basketball side so I understand I mean it's uh you know and I and I can take it even further uh he had COVID last year missed the Arkansas game which was the last if I'm not mistaken the last game of the regular season by the way things worked out Mm -hmm. or yeah that's right it was it was the last game of the regular season we didn't play Auburn the last week we played Arkansas in Fayetteville but Eli was diagnosed with COVID and um, could not do the broadcast because of that. We were not allowed to travel because of it. We had to be quarantined in Tuscaloosa in our broadcast booth. Well, let me back up. Tom Sight was in our booth, as he normally is, setting up the gear and, and producing it. He ran cable so that I would be on headset in the visiting radio booth at Bryant-Denny. And as he was doing, I was watching the feed of the ball game on a television that was in the same, that was synced up perfectly with that when I'm watching it. In the visiting athletic director's booth to my right was John Parker Wilson with the same setup. So we're doing the game from three separate booths in the same building 10 hours away from the game site by car in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And it dawned on me, holy cow, I'm about to be just the, probably just the fourth person since 1958 or 1959 to do play-by-play for Alabama football on the official network for the University of Alabama. And I hope you didn't think about Uh, that before you started talking. I hope you thought about oh, that. Oh, I, <laughs> I, I, I did. Yeah. I'm not going to kid you. I, it, it went through my mind that at some point during that week, but it was uh, humbling. It was, uh, I'm not going to say nerve wracking, but it was very, very special. Yeah. And you know, it was not, it wasn't, it wasn't nerves, Brad, from the standpoint of 
being uh, afraid of what I was doing, but there's a level of respect that I have for Eli, for Paul Kennedy, and for the late John Forney, because I got yeah. to know John and saw John literally just hours before he died. What year did uh, he pass, Chris? I want to say that it was 1995 okay. or 96. Well, the reason I ask is I don't. I just don't remember him, and I don't remember him yeah. being the voice of the Crimson Tide. I mean, the only people I've ever knew, I knew Paul Kennedy, and honestly, I didn't know who came before, came before Paul. Was it John? Or it was, was it, John. Okay, so, I didn't know so, that. So John John had done the games, was part of a a, a multi-broad, if I'm, if I'm remembering this correct, there was not a station or an entity that had the broadcast rights. There were multiple stations that would broadcast Alabama games. And John was among them. And then I believe with the arrival of Coach Bryant, there became one network in-house, and he became the voice. And he was for the entire tenure of Coach Bryant at the University of Alabama. Ray Perkins takes over as head football coach and athletic director after Coach Bryant died just a, a month or two later. And... Uh, decided to make a change with the network and brought in a very young, incredibly talented play-by-play announcer in Paul Kennedy, Mm -hmm. but replaced John. Paul did the games for three years until Coach Perkins, maybe it was four, until Coach Perkins moved on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Bill Curry was hired as coach and Steve Sloan was the AD and John was brought back as play-by-play announcer for one year, and he, in one of the greatest lines in the history of broadcasting, signed back on the air simply with the words, as I was saying before I was so rudely interrupted. Oh, my gosh, that's great. And went right into the broad. I mean, it's beautiful. Uh, and then a year later, Eli became the play-by-play announcer, and John, John moved into the role of, of uh, host of the broadcast itself. Okay. So that's when Eli took over with the start of, of Bill Curry's era and has been there ever since. Okay. Never knew that. Interesting. Yeah. As we look at this football game, you can't help but, but talk about two key components here, one being Nick Saban and two being Lane Kiffin. I'd like to start with Nick Saban. I had a chance to kind of look through his record at Alabama, and it's obviously gaudy, Chris, but one thing that really jumped out to me, with the exception of his first year, there's only been uh, two years, I'm sorry, one year to where uh, Nick only lost three games. The rest of the time it was zero and one, and then one year when he lost two conference games. That's incredibly yeah. impressive, and I guess kind of the, the, the general question I'd have for you, do Alabama fans honestly appreciate the greatness that is Nick Saban? I think they do, and I'll tell you one of the examples why. Um, I I remember the mid to late seventies of Coach Bryant era. Coach Bryant's era. I was born in nineteen seventy, so I don't remember. I think maybe the first game I remember watching of Alabama that I truly remember the fact that the TV was on and I saw it was the Liberty Bowl win, and I think it was UCLA, if I'm not mistaken. But beat, won the Liberty Bowl, um, and that's the 
that's one of the first ones I recall. But I saw Coach Bryan. I saw the, the two national championships in 78, 79. Um, I remember when he retired. I remember when he passed away. Uh, I didn't think it would be possible for anyone to be looked at with the same respect and reverence and be even mentioned in the same breath in Tuscaloosa as Paul Bryant. And I'll let others debate who was better. But I will say the fact that Nick Saban is even in the conversation uh, of Coach Bryant in, in relevance is, is mind-boggling. The numbers are phenomenal. The, the numbers speak for themselves. But the, but the fact that there is even a discussion – uh, is is something that I frankly did not think was possible. I think Bama fans do understand. I think they – I don't know if they take it for granted or not. I know I certainly don't. I took phone calls on the postgame show prior to his arrival. Mm-hmm. So you better believe I'm thrilled that uh, – you better believe I understand. And that's not a shot at Mike Shula when I say that. He, he inherited a very difficult situation um, and did a lot of things – well and did it the right way and and here's another when you start talking about history for Alabama and you, you talk about what coach Saban has done I want to there there are two things that that stand out uh to me that are that are a little bit off the the norm as far as records are concerned but you think how rare 10 win seasons are at many schools around the country and I know we're playing a different age where you could have as many as 15 ball games in a season if you're fortunate enough so it's, it's a different time. It's a different era. But every coach since Paul Bryan arrived on campus in the late 50s at the University of Alabama, every coach, every coach, minus Mike Price, who didn't coach this season, every coach has had a minimum of one 10-win season. Mm-hmm. Every coach, Paul Bryan, Ray Perkins, Bill Curry, uh, Gene Stallings, Mike DeVos, Dennis Franchoni, um, Mike Shula, and certainly Nick Saban. Every one of them had at least one 10-win season. That is amazing to me. Equally or more so, with the exception of his first year, Nick Saban has gone into the month of November with a chance to win a national championship every season. November, they've been they've been in the mix for a national title every single year. That's just fascinating. Incredible. I mean, I was looking yeah. at his game notes today, Chris, and you know, I've always known his numbers were gaudy. I've read them, but just looking at kind of just exactly what you just said, looking at his career at Alabama, he's never had a nine win season. He's had a 10-win-plus yeah. season every single year except his first year. And that's yeah. just incredible. In this 2021 season, we saw an Alabama team that's is kind of road-graded everybody except for Florida. The Gators uh, did some things offensively. They kind of got the, the Alabama Crimson Tide off guard a little bit. I think that may be an opportunity for Ole Miss to take the advantage to some of the things that maybe Dan Mullen was able to do offensively. Uh, credit Alabama coming back, and or should I say holding off Florida, taking care of the win there. Is this an Alabama team, in your opinion, that might be a little susceptible to some things Ole Miss can do offensively than maybe some defenses of the past? 
Yeah, absolutely. But I, I will also say this. I, I don't think there's any question they are. But that that doesn't mean that this is a bad Alabama team or that it won't be a team that can win the national championship. I think that the, the best of this Alabama team is still very much in front of them. Mm-hmm. It's not as much of a veteran squad. It's not built quite the same way that uh, the last couple of championship teams have been built. But I think they absolutely have an opportunity to be tremendous. Uh, you know, you're talking about a guy who, in his what fourth start, goes twenty of twenty-two. Excuse me, twenty of twenty-two at quarterback. Um, for well over 300 yards, and the only pick he threw really wasn't his fault. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he hadn't figured it all out yet. He's good, but he, he hadn't figured it all out yet. And when he does, and as the receiving core, which some of its best talent is some of its youngest talent, starts to get a little more mature and, and develop, the offensive line is still trying to figure some things out but it's not from a lack of talent. It's not because they're having to piece it together. They're, they're just growing and developing, but they're having to do it from the top spot in the country. And because of the reputation that the teams before them have built, they are the team that's being hunted. There's no sneaking up on anybody. There's no, you know, growing into the job. You got to do it immediately because you're getting everybody's best punch every single time out. The defense is having to do it without a guy who was one of their best players. You lose him to injury in the first game. Um, they're, they're trying to get some things figured out. I think they're going to. I think they have, but I think they're going to further. But it may not look like it Saturday when, when Lane rolls things out there with one of the top, if not the top, quarterback in the country right now. So I think there will be points scored uh, I still think Alabama's going to score more, but I think as it has been more times than not as of late, it's going to be an absolute bloodbath, um, especially if you love good defense in this yeah. matchup between the Tide and the Rebels. Yeah, I mean, I tend to, to agree with you. I think Alabama wins the game. I do think Ole Miss scores a lot of points. Uh, one thing, Chris, I think it's interesting, too, I think may lean towards Ole Miss as far as an advantage, and, and you kind of pointed that out is if you're going to get Alabama, you need to get them early because they've got a lot of young talent on the field, specifically on the defensive side of the ball, and they're just going to get better as the year goes on. So if you're going to catch them, now may now be the best time to catch them. I think a lot of people are interested in quarterback Bryce Young. You know, he played at Mater Day High School in, in California, Pasadena. Matt Corral even commented on Monday, Chris, that uh, they played Matter Day whenever they were going against each other, and he said, yeah, they beat us up pretty good. I know Bryce Young's a really good quarterback. And right now, the running back, Brian Robinson Jr., kind of fighting some injuries, but Saban said in his press conference he thinks he'll play. Yeah. I think if I, I think if this had been Ole Miss rather than Southern Miss, you probably would have seen Brian Robinson Saturday. The, the good news is it wasn't Ole Miss. It was a struggling Southern Miss team, and you were able to rest him and get some young guys some very, very valuable snaps, and they performed very, very well. I mean, you had two guys that almost went for 100, both of, of whom almost went for 100 yards in that ballgame. That's not going to do anything but help. I don't think Alabama's – you don't have Najee Harris, who is a first-round draft pick. 
So you're not as good at running back as you were a year ago, but you're deeper, I think. Uh, you don't have the one guy who's Superman, but you got a, you got a lot of boy wonders out there, and I think they are going to be, uh, as the season wears on, I think they are going to wear people down with what they can do in the run game. I think this is going to be a fun group to watch from the Alabama perspective. If they can weather storms such as the one they're going to encounter Saturday, it's going to be a fun one to watch grow and develop. Yeah, this feels like a game to where we have players like Devontae Smith, and, and in years past we've seen receivers take big steps. Is this a game to where John Mechie, Jr., uh, John Mechie III, is this, is this a game to where he can kind of take over, you think? Well, he needs to. They need him to step up and be that type of player and performer. And obviously um, we've, we've seen flashes of him being able to be that when he was um, – you know, maybe the third option last year, third or fourth. But he's he's one of, if not the top option this year, and they need him to look like that. And it's I'm not saying it's his fault because it's not necessarily his fault, but I'm just saying the re- it needs to be clear that he's the guy. And I think he's definitely got that opportunity. Uh, the the ability is there, uh, but it it. I think the numbers are going to start to increase for him. And as those increase for him, I think it's going to make everybody on the offensive side better at Alabama. Chris Stewart is the game day host of the Crimson Tide Sports Network, also is the play-by-play announcer for both basketball and the men's basketball program and the baseball program. Kind enough to give us a few minutes today. Be sure and follow Chris on Twitter. That's at C. Stewart Sports. And he's also the fourth member of the Press Box, a great radio show that goes across the great state of Alabama. Chris, thanks very much for joining us today. We're so excited about the game on Saturday and getting your insight to only just helps us here at the, here at the broadcast. And, uh, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't say that, uh, you know, a lot of us were thinking about you not long ago. And from Pascagoula to Bay St. Louis all the way up to Tupelo, there are a lot of people praying for you. And we're so excited that you're back in the booth and you're doing well because we're all thinking about you and it's great to have you on the show today. Brad, I appreciate it, and I'll tell you, there's there's no explanation for me to be doing as well as I am right now, other than the uh, the uh, the power of prayer and in God's grace for me to be able to to uh, go to dinner with my family tonight, to uh, to play golf with my ten year old, to uh, the fact that I'm still here and can carry on a conversation with you as we are right now and do the things that so many of us, myself included, prior to to really three and a half years ago when I had my stroke, but especially two years ago today when I was in a hospital and it was in a bad spot, all part of a a 91-day stay that I had. Um, uh, I don't take those days for granted anymore. I'm thankful for them. I'm grateful for each blessing of each day, and I am so grateful to, to you and so many in your audience who were kind enough to pray for me. And um, as I say, it is truly the only explanation I have for me to be doing as well as I am right now. Well, it's great to hear from you. And uh, thanks again, Chris. Uh, man, I uh, look forward to seeing you down the road and a big one on Saturday. Same here, buddy. Travel safe. 
You've been listening to the Believe in Ole Miss podcast with your host, Brad Logan. Download the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review online. Be sure and check us out on Twitter at BradLoganCOTE and at Believe Podcasts, as well as Facebook, Brad Logan Media. From the vault to the pavilion to Swayze Field, it's all Ole Miss all the time. This has been the Believe in Ole Miss podcast, a presentation of the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.